0: I'm the person that I like to pray and plan and journal and prepare. And so I carry a notebook with me everywhere I go and I kind of think things through and journal things out. And so what I've told Grace is if if there's a big issue we need to talk about, let's have the talk about how to have the talk. Honey, I'd like to talk to you about this. I want you to think and pray and journal about how we could have that talk, when we could have that talk, where we could have that talk and I want you to know that it's coming and I want you to be prayed up and prepared and then I want us to open in prayer and I want us to share what we've already journaled and what the Lord's revealed to us and it's giving someone an opportunity because what oftentimes happens is you've been processing it and so you're at a conclusion or a place, they've not. And so you're you're halfway through and they didn't even know it had started. My name is Mark. Her name is Grace. Grace, thanks for joining me, baby. In uh, in today's episode of the Real Marriage Podcast, it's under the uh, topic of when your marriage war and. Uh, And in this, we took some time at a recent marriage conference we were teaching at to do some live Q&A. And so it makes it a little fun, a little impromptu, a little practical and off the cuff and untucked. So that's what we've got for you today. Thanks for tuning in. And before we get started, Grace will just read you a quick review. And we'd love it if you leave one wherever you listen to podcasts just to encourage others to get this Bible teaching because we're here to help.
1: Another podcaster says, this podcast is a big blessing to my marriage. I love to listen when I am driving and I always leave wiser after listening. Thank you for this podcast.
0: All right, thank you, baby, for reading the review. Thanks for joining us for the Real Marriage Podcast. One, two, three, here we go.
2: I was excited about this because, uh, man, last night it got real in the (laughs) Q&A. And I was like, man, I'm just so thankful. and just so, so appreciate it. you guys willing to be uh, candid and real and uh, just share your heart. Honestly, watching you guys last night was just an example of what it is, you know, to communicate well, to handle things with grace and with an anointing. And I thought it spoke so much to me personally, but I'm sure it did to everybody as well. So, can we give him a hand for last night? Uh, So I don't know if I have any great curveballs, but we'll see. But we'll start you out with this one. This one's really (laughs) good. I hope it didn't make you nervous when I said that. But in dating relationships, this is a good one. What are some steps we can take to set ourselves up well before we get married?
0: We did everything possibly wrong in our dating relationship. So we'll tell you what we would tell our children. Our goal with our kids is that they would have a boring testimony. That's kind of our goal. You know, in youth group, you always bring up, they're like, yeah, I was a drug addict and I ate my mom and then I met Jesus and then I started a revival in Indonesia. I want the kid who comes up and is like, I was a virgin and then I got married. To me, that's the amazing testimony. Uh, I want the boring testimony. So we did it all wrong and we, we want to give encouragement to those who have done it all wrong. Uh, that God can do perfect work through imperfect people and imperfect relationships. Uh, But we had to really stop and just hit a hard reset. We had to stop sleeping together, go to church, meet with our pastor, read the Bible. We had to literally reset and ask, okay, what is God's intention and design? Um, And maybe you share kind of what we tell our kids. Our, our, Our oldest daughter is married. She's here with her husband. Our son is engaged, gonna get married in a few weeks. Our other son is in college. And then we got two in high school. So we're officially in it. Yeah.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think for us, we didn't start out with the priority of being individually connected to the Lord because we're accountable for our individual relationships with Jesus. And and then when we bring another person into that in unity, that's where the challenges can come. And so if had we started there first, I think for our oldest daughter, she has always had a really vibrant relationship with the Lord and out of that, um, she attracted someone who was also vibrant with the Lord. They both came in with their issues that they continue to work through, but it's minimal compared to some of the things we had to deal with. And so all you can do to um, really have that deep relationship with the Lord will save you from a lot of struggles in your marriage. Because if you're both individually pursuing the Lord and you come together and you're doing that together, it just it's easier to work things through.
0: And wise counsel is a huge part Sometimes you're dating or you're headed toward engagement or marriage and you ask your friends, that's counsel but it's not wise counsel. Or you go ask your family, that might be counsel but not wise counsel. Proverbs talks a lot about wise counsel and that is who are we going to intentionally invite in that we respect and we're going to listen to them. And what oftentimes happens is we just talk to whoever we know that we may need to pursue somebody else and or we find people who agree with us rather than people who agree with God. And so you know, in your dating relationship or your engagement, it's very important to ask, who is our wise counsel? Who are we gonna talk to? Who are we gonna listen to? Who are we gonna look up to? Who are we gonna invite into the process? Because the truth is, if you're dating or engaged, you've never been there. You don't know. So find somebody who's further down the path that you respect and have them sort of walk that path with you. That's what we've encouraged our kids. And we love our kids and we're close with them, but it's more than just mom and dad. Because there are things that they're gonna wanna talk about that they don't wanna talk about with us. Especially when you get into some of those private intimacy issues. Like, hey, you're gonna get married. Go ask your parents all of the sex questions. That couldn't possibly be awkward, you know? I mean, there's certain things where, the other thing too I wanna say is this, our, our, our kids are getting launched. The most important, one of the most important things that parents can give as a gift to their kids is this, when your kids get married, they married, they are not joining your family This is one of the great errors. So like our son and uh, his fiancee, they're gonna get married here in a few weeks. She is not joining our family. He is not joining her family. They are starting a new family. They are starting a new family. And so what happens is early on, if your parents aren't healthy or don't understand that, they're, oh, it's so great, we're getting a daughter. No, you're not. Your son is getting a wife. Now you can love her as a daughter, but ultimately, like we've told our kids, you're gonna do things differently because you're doing your own family. You may not be around for the holidays because your family may decide to do things differently. And a lot of times as parents will think like, well, they're gonna make mistakes. Well, that's marriage. We made mistakes. We're still making mistakes. And so the grace that God has for us, he has for them. And the worst thing you can do when you're dating is to not have this concept that the ultimate goal is to start a brand new family and to do things the way that you have convictions as a couple. And I think sometimes as parents, we really hurt that. And it comes around the holidays. Well, you're gonna be over for Thanksgiving, Christmas, Kwanzaa, Secretary's Day, you know. (laughs) We're going to do all the holidays. Oh, we're going on vacation. Of course, you're going to go on vacation with us. And oh, now you got grandkids. We'll bring them along. Next thing you know, you have a horrible marriage because you're not allowed to leave your mother and father.
2: So good. So good. This one's uh, a little bit deeper. Uh, What's the best advice you could give a couple that has recently discovered things like pornography and infidelity in the marriage? What's the way forward for healing?
0: How did you deal with that? Well, I, I would say first of all, bring in a godly, neutral uh, third party. It can be a pastor, can be a counselor. Um, it has to be somebody who loves and knows the Lord and is filled with the Spirit, because you can't heal at the level of the soul without the Spirit. Because these are going to be this is a, this is a very delicate, painful, broken moment and somebody needs to be very wise and very prayed up to help work through that healing process, the last thing you wanna do is just invite in family or friends. They'll they'll multiply the pain, they'll not heal it, because they'll take up offense and they'll take sides. Um, The other thing is for the guilty party or parties, you need to, with a professional or a pastor, practice full disclosure. Sometimes what happens when we have sinned, we partially confess. We're like, I'm gonna say enough that I feel a little better and you have some idea of where we're at. But if you don't fully confess, it's like going in for surgery and taking out some of the cancer. If you leave the rest, it's only a matter of time before it multiplies. And what happens is, is if you don't deal with all of the issues at once, you're gonna have to deal with them again later. So imagine how painful it is to go through surgery but not get all the cancer and then to have additional surgeries. My goal would be, let's cut it all out at once. As much as we are able to do that, I need to fully disclose everything so that we can actually deal with everything. So full disclosure with a professional or a pastor early on is really crucial.
1: Yeah, it's like you just talked about too and you're saying right now get to the root and like you talked about in Ephesians that there's, oftentimes a root of bitterness under sexual sin. And so getting to that, where is that unforgiveness in your life, whether it's for a parent or spouse or whatever it might be, so that you can dig that up and actually heal, because that will keep you from healing completely and you'll just continue to have the same issue, the same sexual sin and wonder why. But if that's underneath it, you need to get that out. And you really do need a support system of people that you both trust Um, not just that as the woman, not just someone you trust, but that your husband doesn't trust because there's a lot of shame around that issue and you don't wanna have condemnation keep him from healing as well. So people that you trust with a professional and maybe another couple that you trust to be in that process to support you because there's some days that are harder than others in that discovery process. And so you need someone to come alongside, not just quoting verses, Scripture's awesome and truth heals, but you need someone who's gonna be in the battle with you and empathize with you and be willing to pray and just listen and cry with you as needed. So you need that support system with those those, um, trials.
0: And as I was talking about too, real briefly, so everything that God creates Satan counterfeits, adultery and pornography are demonic counterfeits to marriage. If you put the lens of spiritual warfare over it, God's like, I created you for covenant and for sexual intimacy. And Satan's like, I'll counterfeit that with pornography and adultery. And so it's literally saying that this is a spiritual warfare issue. This is a demonic attack issue. This is the enemy coming to steal, kill, and destroy. And so coming at it with that sense of intensity instead of just, oh, this is a struggle that I have. No, this is a war that I have. Yeah.
2: So good, so good. I think this question really, uh, Pairs well with the last one in that uh, maybe somebody's facing something not not necessarily infidelity but they're facing issues in their marriage and then they come to a marriage retreat and it kind of brings those things up so this person's asking if I have issues in the marriage that we know about what's a healthy way to bring those up and talk about them without the other person feeling attacked you know, because I think people get out of here and they sit down and they're like, all right, we need to talk. We got issues, you know, but maybe that's not the healthiest way to do that. What would you guys, how would you help that person say, here's how you should approach that in a healthy way?
0: Well, before you have the talk, you need to have the talk about how you're going to have the talk. Uh, and if you're married, you know what that is. They're like, all right, we're going to talk about sex right now. You're like, whoa, wait a minute. You know, like. Hey, you know, the, we're having dinner and the kids are feeling awkward, so this is not the time. <laughs> you know, They're all gonna learn how they got here. Um, I'm the person that I like to pray and plan and journal and prepare. And so I carry a notebook with me everywhere I go and I kind of think things through and journal things out. And so what I've told Grace is, if, if there's a big issue we need to talk about, let's have the talk about how to have the talk. Honey, I'd like to talk to you about this. I want you to think and pray and journal about how we could have that talk, when we could have that talk, where we could have that talk. And I want you to know that it's coming and I want you to be prayed up and prepared. And then I want us to open in prayer and I want us to share what we've already journaled and what the Lord's revealed to us. And it's giving someone an opportunity because what oftentimes happens is you've been processing it. And so you're at a conclusion or a place they've not. And so you're you're halfway through and they didn't even know it had started. And then they feel either defensive or overwhelmed because they're like, I, I didn't know we were having this conversation. I didn't know that you had thought so much about this. It's giving the other person the processing time that you've had to prepare that co- to have the conversation.
1: Yeah, timing and tone is essential. And for me, I have to make sure that my heart is for our marriage to get better, not just for me to be heard. And so I have to really be prayerful before I go into those conversations and know that the Lord is um, removing any unforgiveness or any resentment and ask the Lord just to give me words that would build our marriage, that would build us up and not divide us even more. And so sometimes it takes time for that. Sometimes it's immediate and the Lord can work that through, Um, but... For you, you write stuff out and for and we both pray stuff out. Um, but I, it really needs to be that you go into that conversation wanting unity. Um, not wanting just, I need to be heard, I need to, you know, you need to ask for forgiveness. It's not about my agenda in those situations, it's about what God has for us in that to heal. Um, And to be able to be honest, I mean, we've had a lot of those conversations where I don't see that what I'm doing is hurtful and he's had to wait and come to me when when the timing's right and the tone is right, when he's not at his maximum frustrated point and just say, I really am feeling hurt right now and and I wanna figure this out because I want us to be okay. And that has to be your desire in that conversation. And until you're in that place to have that fulfilled, I wouldn't talk about it because it'll just cause more division
0: you one example, Brent. So this, uh, once we're done here, we're going to go to Florida, and we've got a couple days carved out. And I've got a list of things in my journal that I've been praying about, thinking about, and I want to have extended conversations with Grace about. But we need to carve out some uninterrupted time, and with five kids and ministry and such, that we that, that needs to be architected and organized. And so sometimes what happens is you wait until you're so frustrated that all of a sudden the teapot's starting to whistle. You know, you're like, okay, you've been heating up for a while. So for me, I like getting those regular times on the calendar to where we're going to have some uninterrupted time. And this can be a couple hours every week. It could be Wednesday night is our prayer journaling processing time. And we tuck the kids in bed and we, we talk stuff through. It could be going for a walk. For us, it's probably once a quarter getting a, a night or two away that is literally just focused so that I know we're gonna deal with it, and I can let it sit there in my journal, it's not on the front of my brain, and we'll pick it up when the time is appropriate, and I don't need to deal with it right now to get it off my brain.
1: Yeah, and trusting the Holy Spirit to do the work of change in the heart, that we don't have to go in there wanting to change the person, we have to go in there being willing to be changed ourselves and wanting to unify. So asking the Holy Spirit, you know, please search my heart before I go in and then help us be together in this
2: very good uh you were talking about that time to carve away somebody's asking and maybe they're glad it's anonymous because they're saying in the busyness of kids in life this is a bit of a gear change how do you keep a healthy sex life because they're like you can tell that maybe last night they didn't they they weren't sleeping in this morning they were here and they're like man we got to fix this problem so how do you keep a healthy sex life when you got kids and you got work and you got life what would you guys say to them on ways you can do that
0: You can either make excuses or plans. Wow. You can either make excuses or plans when it comes to all of life. If you want an excuse, it's easy to make an excuse. If you want to make a plan, you can make a plan. And I'll uh, share two things. One is uh, some years ago, I, I read a business book and uh, two guys were sitting on a dock and there's a big cruise ship. Back in the old days when we'd go places, uh, and people would get on boats. Um, there was this cruise ship and there were two guys standing on a dock and one guy asked the other guy, in regards to that boat, who's the most important person? Okay, what would your answer be? Most of us would say the captain. He said, no, it's the boat builder. Because you can have a great captain and a broken boat, and it doesn't matter how good the captain is, the boat's gonna sink. And the big idea is we get so busy working in our life, we don't take the time to work on our life. You maybe say, well, I'm working and I'm trying and I'm struggling, yeah, but you're driving a broken boat. And it doesn't, you may not even be a bad captain. You may just have a broken boat. And this is where architecting and sequencing your budget, your calendar, your time, it's working on your life before you work in your life. And so for us, like our priorities are Jesus, each other, the kids, and then work in ministry. And what happens is your kids in your job, they always try to leapfrog your priority list. And all of a sudden you're like, well, I've not had time to you know, be with Jesus or my spouse. Well, then actually you're, you're needing to re-architect your life. You're, you're, you're captaining a broken boat. Because firstly, you need to get with Jesus to get what you need, for your spouse and your kids. You can't give what you've not received. That's right. And furthermore, what happened, we're in that age now, we're turning 50 and I know it doesn't look like it. I always say that men and women age differently, that women age like wine and men age like milk. And so uh, we're 50. Um, and what we're finding with couples our age is if the, if, the, if the priorities are out of order and the family is architected around the children, that works until the children leave and then the family breaks and the, and the marriage is over. Because if the children and or work are the gravitational center of the universe, uh, when you transition out of your job or your children leave your home, your whole world flies out of orbit. And so a lot of young families right now, what they're thinking is, well, the kids are the highest priority and we need to make sure that they're not overlooked and they're the highest priority. You are now setting in motion the destruction of your marriage and family because you're out of alignment with God's priorities. So I always tell our kids, you know, mom was here before you, she'll be here after you. I love you with all my heart, but she is a priority above you. And grace needs to do the same. And I think sometimes for women, it's because what happens is women make their children a priority over their husband. And then their husband gets very jealous. So then he makes a work and a job a priority over his wife and kids. So the man is grinding massive hours and the woman is investing in the children. They're both very lonely. And then eventually the children leave, the marriage dissolves, and the man takes half of everything that he worked for and gives it to an attorney to settle out the difference. And that's a bad architecting plan for a family and a life. Yeah,
1: absolutely. yeah Pastor Jimmy Evans wrote the four laws of love and the law of, law of priority is one of the topics he goes into depth on and it's excellent because I know for me, having five kids, it's busy. It just is. And I often would use that as, as an excuse that I've got too much to do. I'm tired or I am busy doing this. and um, And f- for Mark that communicated that I didn't love him most and um, and so for me I had to repent of that and I I'm one who deals with what's in front of me and the kids were always in front of me so they always got priority. Um, And so we really had to work that through but there was also um, some things I was avoiding dealing with by just putting all the busyness in front of me and tending to it. I wasn't dealing with some of my unforgiveness and some of my trauma from my past and all that. So when it comes to the sex topic especially, you need to be willing to go to whatever roots are keeping you from that intimacy with your husband. Um, And so for me, I really had to do some heart and soul searching and Mark had to help me figure that out as well. Um, And good godly counselor can help with that too.
2: There was a lot of talk in this last session just about conflict and what creates conflict. Uh, This person's asking, you know, if they're in a marriage that's really struggling, is there ever a time that divorce is okay?
0: Um, Yeah, I mean, the Bible does talk about divorce. Um, It talks about it in cases of adultery. Uh, Jesus says that Moses permitted it in regards to hardness of heart. And so the thing I wanna be very careful of when you talk about adultery is, or excuse me, divorce and cases for divorce, whatever you say are permissible grounds for divorce, people tend to organize their circumstances to qualify if their heart is wrong. So uh, I learned, So if you're saying, well, in case of adultery, they're like, okay, well then I'm going to deny you and, and, I, and I'm gonna call it, you know, then pornography counts. And, and okay, now I, and what, what oftentimes if your heart is bad, you're looking for a way to do a godly, ungodly thing And so usually we've really got to start with our heart and that is, am I trying to find a way to have a reason to get out of this relationship? And if your heart is in that position, your heart is the issue and that's a problem. There are times and occasions where divorce is a tragic uh, necessity because we live in a broken and fallen world. Um, But it's always, you know, hopefully the last resort. And if you have kids, what people often say is, well, we're just gonna get a divorce and get this over. If you've got kids, it's not over. You, you still got a lot to figure out because you got kids between the two of you. And so what I would say is before you rush to that conclusion of whether or not it is that time, um, you really need a professional or a pastor. Think of it like the old medical shows where they're doing CPR and at some point somebody's like, okay, we're calling it, here's the time of death. You're not the best one to call the time of death on your marriage. You keep doing CPR, let a professional come in and say, you know what, this is the time of death. Uh, and then what you do is you have the funeral and then you do the autopsy, what happened? Why, and how can I prevent this from happening again? And then a healing process and then the future. And so, you know, the process that we go through with a death is similar to the process we should go through if we're healthy with the death of a marriage. Um, but what we always like to say is you may not need a new spouse, because you can get a new marriage with the same spouse. A lot of people are like, I need a new spouse. No, actually what you need is a new marriage. And you can get a new marriage with the old spouse. And so the question is, is there a way to get a new marriage without the necessity of getting a new spouse? And I would always work toward that. What legalistic people will do, they'll say, there's never an excuse for divorce. Well, there is, there is. I mean, if I have a guy who's a drug addict that's beating his wife and harming his kids, I'm not gonna say, you know, all the submission verses now apply. I'm gonna to go to all the verses that say that he should love his wife like Christ loves the church, that he should not exacerbate his children or be harsh with his wife. What happens in any marriage, if only one person is told to do what the Bible says, it's an abusive relationship and you've weaponized the Bible. So a godly person's gotta come in and not just say, here's what the Bible says to the wife, needs to also say, here's what the Bible says to the husband and then are the husband and wife willing to obey the Lord? If not, it's gonna be very hard to have a healthy unified marriage and relationship. Um, But you're not the best one to make that call. In the same way, even if you're a doctor, you don't self-diagnose, you don't self-prescribe, and you certainly should not do surgery on yourself. You go find somebody else who is a professional at that and they help you. And and this is really crucial because there's couples that come to events like this and they're asking, are we at the end? I don't know. Um, And I'm not sure you're the best person to call the time of death. The question is, who will you invite in? Don't just call your divorced girlfriends. Don't call your parents who always take your side in the fight. Don't take your dysfunctional relatives who are just like you, right? Somebody filled with the spirit that knows the word of God that is willing to do the hard work of investigating where things are at and giving you an honest diagnosis and assessment is crucial.
1: We hope you enjoyed today's episode of the Real Marriage Podcast. Subscribe to this podcast wherever you listen. If you enjoy this podcast, leave us a five-star review. We love to hear how this podcast encourages and helps you.